Hello, friends. It's good to have you with us on this 13th day of July as we read through the Bible together. My name is David McAdam, and this is the one-year Bible tour where we encourage each other to keep on keeping on as we read through all 66 books of the Bible in a year. We follow the format of the one-year Bible, a Bible reading plan you can access online at oneyearbibleonline.com. Again, that's oneyearbibleonline.com. Or you can get a copy of the Bible organized into these daily readings for the year at your local bookstore. Just ask for the one-year Bible. Each day, in addition to reading the Old and New Testament portions and a daily dip into the book of Psalms and Proverbs, we also spend a few moments to remind you of the context, give explanation, and highlight important observations that you won't want to miss. I truly believe that you will find this a worthwhile exercise, and this half-hour podcast will motivate you to read through the entire Bible and recognize how it all comes together with a central theme, the good news of who God is and what He's done in the person of His Son. As we read through the Bible, we have recognized the developing theme of redemption, as God promised to provide salvation through the Messiah, the seed of the woman, promised in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, a sinless substitute who would be fully human and yet fully divine and pour out his lifeblood to atone for our sin. A placeholder for the person of the Messiah, the Christ, was the Ark of the Covenant, that chest made of incorruptible acacia wood and covered over with gold. The acacia wood, or shittim wood, speaks of the incorruptible humanity of Christ, and the gold speaks of his deity. Today we read of that great occasion when this Ark of the Covenant is brought back by King David to Jerusalem, and not everyone is as excited about it as King David is. And isn't that like our world today? Some people are excited about the gospel of God concerning his Son, while others are fixated on a vain gospel of self-justification and self-redemption. We will learn more about the gospel of God concerning his Son as we read the book of Romans in the New Testament. But first, let's go to the Old Testament reading today from the book of 1 Chronicles, beginning with chapter 15, verse 1. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1, The Ark Brought to Jerusalem. David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said that no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God, for the Lord had chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister to him forever. And David assembled all Israel at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. And David gathered together the sons of Aaron and the Levites, of the sons of Kohath, Uriel the chief, with a hundred and twenty of his brothers, of the sons of Morari, Asiah the chief, with two hundred and twenty of his brothers, of the sons of Gershom, Joel the chief, with a hundred and thirty of his brothers, of the sons of Elizaphan, Shemaiah the chief, with two hundred of his brothers, of the sons of Hebron, Eliel the chief, with eighty of his brothers, of the sons of Uziel, Aminadab the chief, with a hundred and twelve of his brothers. Then David summoned the priests, Zadok and Abiathar, and the Levites, Uriel, Isaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Aminadab, and said to them, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. 
Consecrate yourselves, you and your brothers, so that you may bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place that I have prepared for it. Because you did not carry it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us, because we did not seek him according to the rule. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. And the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with the poles, as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. David also commanded the chiefs of the Levites to appoint their brothers as the singers who should play loudly on musical instruments, on harps and lyres and cymbals, to raise sounds of joy. So the Levites appointed Heman the son of Joel, and of his brothers Asaph the son of Berechiah, and the sons of Merari, their brothers, Ethan the son of Cushiah, and with them their brothers of the second order, Zechariah, Jehaziel, Shemiramoth, Jehiel, Uni, Eliab, Beniah, Masiah, Matathiah, Eliphelahu, and Mikniah, and the gatekeepers Obedidim and Jael. The singers Hemon, Asaph, and Ethan were to sound bronze cymbals. Zechariah, Aziel, Shemiramoth, Jehiel, Uni, Eliab, Maasiah, and Beniah were to play harps according to Alamoth. But Matithiah, Eliphalehu, Mikniah, Obedidim, Jael, and Azaziah were to lead with lyres according to Sheminith. Shenaniah, leader of the Levites in music, should direct the music, for he understood it. Barakiah and Elkanah were to be gatekeepers for the ark. Shebaniah, Joshaphat, Nethanel, Amasai, Zechariah, Beniah, and Eleazar, the priests, should blow the trumpets before the ark of God. Obedidim and Jehiah were to be gatekeepers for the ark. So David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obedidim with rejoicing. And because God helped the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, as also were all the Levites who were carrying the Ark, and the singers, and Shenaniah, the leader of the music of the singers. And David wore a linen ephod. So all Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with shouting, to the sound of the horn, trumpets, and cymbals, and made loud music on harps and lyres. And as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David dancing and celebrating, and she despised him in her heart. Chapter 16 The Ark Placed in a Tent And they brought in the Ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord, and distributed to all Israel, both men and women, to each a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. Then he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord, to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief, and second to him were Zechariah, Jael, Shemiramoth, Jehiel, Mattathiah, Eliab, Beniah, Obedidim, and Jael, who were to play harps and lyres. Asaph was to sound the cymbals, and Beniah and Jehaziel, the priests, 
were to blow trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. Then on that day David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. David's Song of Thanks O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel his servant, children of Jacob his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God, his judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When you were few in number, of little account, and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice, and let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Let the sea roar, and all that fills it. Let the field exult, and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Say also, Save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament book of First Chronicles. And if you weren't paying attention, you might have thought that I had been reading from the book of Psalms. That's because this Psalm of David Psalm 105 is included in First Chronicles. Now let's attempt to summarize and make some observations. David completes building his home palace in Jerusalem and prepares a tent to receive the Ark of the Covenant. Keep in mind that the Ark of the Covenant symbolizes the throne of God and it had been absent from the tent of meeting at Shiloh for over 75 years. The Philistines captured it when Eli was judge and then returned it when they began to experience God's judgment. The ark traveled to Beth Shemesh, then to Kiriath-Jearim, where it was kept in the house of Abinadab, in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through chapter 7, verse 1, and then to the house of Obedidim, a Levite. When David became king, he set up the tabernacle in the court in Jerusalem while the ark was still at Gibeon. 
David wanted to honor the fact that the Lord was the king of Israel by having the ark of the Lord's presence with him at Jerusalem, even though the furnishings of the temple would not be moved until Solomon completed the temple in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 1-5. through David now gives careful attention to have the ark transported as stipulated in the law of God, carried with two staves of wood on the shoulders of the Kohathites, rather than adapting to what appeared to be a more culturally relevant Philistine cart. Singers were appointed by the Levites to sing joyful songs as the people retrieved the ark from the house of Obedidim ten miles away. Vocalists, percussionists, horn, trumpet, and string instrument players were selected with recognition of Levitical tribal affiliation and skill. Sacrifices were offered in acknowledgment of the Lord helping the Levites in their service. Seven bulls and seven rams. David, the Levites, and Kenaniah, the chief choirmaster, were dressed in robes of fine linen. David is also wearing a linen ephod. Once again, it is noted that David's wife, Michal, the daughter of Saul, was not participating but watched from a window as David accompanied the ark in the procession entering the city. As David is dancing and celebrating the symbolic significance of having the presence of their covenant-keeping God where it belongs in the center of their lives, Michael is despising David's behavior more as a priest or a common celebrant than a king. This contrast poses a question. When it comes to celebrating God's covenant promises of His presence and provisions in Christ, are we on the outside looking in, or have we embraced them to the degree that we want them to be in the center of our lives? There are some wives and husbands that want to have the preeminence in the affections of their spouse, and that is the way it should be with respect to all other human relationships. But there must be a recognition of the preeminent place of our Creator, Redeemer, covenant-keeping God as the central focus of our lives. This is the first commandment and in line with the great commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Exodus chapter 20 verse 3. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. Matthew 22 verse 37. Jesus took this commandment and applied it to himself. If anyone comes to me, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. The New Testament apostles agree. He, that is Jesus, is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Here's a question. Does the reality of Christ's supremacy over all set you delighting in or despising his claims? David is king, but in this scene he is dressed and ministering as a priest. This is a picture of Jesus, the son of David, who will fulfill both offices, as did Melchizedek, whose name means king of righteousness, who is also the king of Salem, peace, and serves as a priest, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 20, through chapter 8, verse 13. The benchmark occasion of bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem was celebrated with all the exuberance of a coronation service or that of a warrior returning having secured a major victory. Gifts of bread loaves, dates, and raisins were distributed to each Israelite man and woman in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 3. When Queen Elizabeth II was crowned in England, gifts were distributed to the citizens throughout Great Britain. When Jesus ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1, 
his coronation and exaltation was celebrated with the Father bestowing the gift of the Holy Spirit to the Church at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit, in turn, distributed, and still distributes, gifts as He sovereignly wills, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When He ascended on high, He led captive a host of captives, and He gave gifts to men. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Asaph is appointed as the worship leader, with Zechariah as his assistant, second in command, and others are named with their assignments in the music ministry. David wrote a special song for the occasion, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 7-36. through 36. This psalm is reflected in Psalms 24, 47, 99, 68, 105, 106, and 132. May this inspire us also to sing to him, sing praises to him, speak of all his wonders. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Now let's go to today's reading from the New Testament. We are in the book of Romans, the gospel according to Paul the Apostle. Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 18, and we will read through to verse 32. God's Wrath on Unrighteousness For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And this is the end of our New Testament portion today from the book of Romans. The gospel of God is the good news that sinners can be justified, that is declared righteous before God, when they simply believe on Christ and His perfect atoning work on the cross. Sadly, 
mankind is so sinful that he suppresses the truth of his need for righteousness before God. Today, when you ask people what mankind's greatest need is, you may hear love, salvation from global warming, the restoration of marriage and the family, good government, a healthy economy, recognition of the sanctity of life and human rights, or a moral and spiritual awakening. These are all good things, but not the supreme need of the human race. The greatest need of the human race is righteousness, a right standing before God, a right relationship with God. Therefore, Jesus said, Seek ye first to be related rightly to the righteous rule of God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Mankind must be awakened to its desperate need for righteousness by being shown the peril of its lost condition. The Apostle Paul reminds us that by our sinful nature, we suppress the truth for our need for reconciliation with God. We ignore the fact that we were born dead in our sins and by nature are children of wrath. That is, outside of Christ, we are all condemned under God's wrathful judgment for violating His law. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. This chapter describes the condition of mankind and its sad history of turning away from its original purpose. Once created to reflect God's image, mankind has rejected that privilege and has become God-haters. May this passage awaken our own hearts to the reality of mankind's greatest need, reconciliation through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Now let's go to our next stop on our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms, Psalm 10, verses 1 through 15. Why do you hide yourself? Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it.
Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, You will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. And this concludes today's portion from the book of Psalms, Psalm 10. Now let's take a few moments to make some observations. This is a psalm that cries out, Why do you hide yourself, O God? There are times where it seems that the wicked prosper and get away with blasphemies and murder in verses 7 through 11. There are even those who have no room in their thinking for God in Psalm 10 verse 4, no regard for his commands in verse 5, and no fear of a future judgment in verse 6. They believe that God is so loving and forgiving that he takes no notice of sin in verse 11. The psalmist recognizes that the Lord takes all into account and will call all to give an account in Psalm 10 verses 11 to 15. Let us echo the psalmist's heart cry, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand, do not forget the afflicted. Psalm 10, verse 12. Now we go to the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom. Of course, I am speaking of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 19, verses 6 through 7. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. All a poor man's brothers hate him, How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with words, but does not have them. The writer of Proverbs makes the observation that human friendships are often conditional. It is the way of the natural man to be selfish and persist in relationships only if they are perceived to provide some self-benefit. If there is nothing to be gained, the relationship is usually abandoned. He points out that if even obligated family members abandon their brother when he comes into poverty, how much more his friends who sense no family obligation. But as we learned in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What a friend we have in Jesus. He sticks with us not because he seeks to gain anything from the relationship. He sticks with us because of who he is. His covenant love endures forever. He is faithful and true. His love is not conditioned upon our performance, but upon who He is, love personified. He pursued us not merely with words, but by demonstrating His love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now let's pray together. God of all grace, You saw our greatest need. You loved the world and sent Your only begotten Son, that we might be delivered from the rightful punishment that our sins deserve. He who knew no sin became our substitute, a perfect sin offering, that we might receive what we need more than anything else, a right relationship with you. We recognize your supremacy above all, O God, and are grateful for the gift of the Holy Spirit, who establishes your righteous rule in our hearts and sheds abroad from our hearts the fruit of your indwelling presence. His ministry of your perfect love brings joy and perfect peace. For this we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that wraps up today's readings from the One Year Bible and how wonderful it is to get to the book of Romans where we see the fulfillment of what was promised in the Old Testament, the Davidic covenant, that a son of David would be on the throne. And there we see the gospel of the Son of God being unfolded in the book of Romans. 
and yes, mankind's greatest need is for a right standing with a holy God, and only Jesus Christ can make that possible. And we read how that is made possible through Paul's letter to the Romans. We're so glad to have you with us, and I want to encourage you to invite your friends to start reading the Bible. Ask them, have they ever read the Bible? Would they like to join you in reading the Bible? And you can tell them about this podcast that might encourage them in that special effort. And if you have any questions or comments or you'd like to contact us, you can write us at podcast at newlife.org. If you'd like to know more about our ministries, uh, New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, or New Life Fine Arts and our musical theater ministry, our summer camp, upcoming events and resources, you can go to our website, newlife.org. And there you can subscribe to a daily email where you get a written copy of our commentary on the one-year Bible reading of the day. So until next time, keep the faith, but don't keep the faith to yourself. Share it with others. Let people know the good news. Shalom.